Since everyone has a gender journey, Gender Journeys is a podcast for everyone. That being said, we occasionally touch on mature themes and use strong language, so listener discretion is advised. to Gender Journeys, the podcast where we talk about just what the heck gender actually is in context. As always, I am one of your hosts, Josie, and I'm joined by your other host, my lovely partner, Elle. Hello, hello. So, what are we talking about on the podcast this week? Oh, it's a super duper fun topic that's so joyous and lovely to talk about. Mm -hmm. It's called internalized transphobia. I love it. That sounds... It's a blast! It sounds challenging. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like so much fun mm-hmm. and while we're talking about it i bet we're going to talk john internalized homophobia internalized racism internalized capitalism let's just run down it you know yeah, yeah. there's a lot of internalized isms and obias and such obias <laughs> that really do just um they're gonna they do feel better though if you call them internalized obias that's true internalized phobias sounds scary that's what I was going to say. I thought it was a little too on the nose. <laughs> so what is internalized transphobia? Yeah, so I think let's, I'll back up a little bit before that question okay. to give some baseline. Because I think that people, especially trans people, very reasonably, when you say that they have internalized transphobia, they say, what the fuck are you talking about? And then they get really mad. Mm-hmm. Which is, I mean, it's valid. God forbid you say that they have internalized racism if they're white, then they get really mad too. But when I say that people have internalized whatever, obias, I'm not saying that they are bad people. First off, let's get that really, let's get that out the way, right? And having internalized transphobia does not make you a bad person. Yeah, just divest yourself of that whole good-bad dichotomy at the start of this episode. Mm-hmm. Good-bad binary. I don't know why I always want to call it dichotomy. I don't know either. Anyway, definitely divest yourself of the good-bad binary. There are not good people and then transphobic people. Now, transphobic people are not good people, obviously. Like, people who are actively bigoted are not good people. Mm-hmm. No, let me not say that. People who are actively bigoted are causing a lot of harm, and I'm not saying that anybody who has internalized transphobia is actively bigoted. You can mm-hmm. have internalized transphobia and be very kind to people. You can have internalized transphobia and not hate trans people. Um, you can have internalized transphobia and be trans. Right. <laughs> Similarly with racism. Um, again, speaking from a U.S. perspective, I think that at this point, most people in the U.S. understand that systemic racism exists. Mm-hmm. And I'm guessing everybody that's listening to this podcast believes that systemic gender inequality exists and then systemic oppression of gender expansive people exists. Mm -hmm. So if you spend your whole life in a society that puts down non-white people, puts down women, puts down non-cis people, you're also part of that society. And that is where you get that internalized transphobia. You can't um, exist in that society and hear all of that characterization and see the way people treat oppressed groups 
without internalizing some of it. You have to. You're, it's called socialization. You are socialized into thinking this way from the time before you can remember. Right. And this doesn't mean that, you know, you see a trans person and you're like, ugh, or that you're committing hate crimes. That is a different thing. Right. <laughs> but this, often, the way that I often see it come out, especially with people who are just coming to terms with their gender identity, is saying parts of what they're doing to explore their gender is quote-unquote weird, or saying that they just want to be normal. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. A lot of a lot of the stuff that kind of boils down to internalized isms and obias, <laughs> a lot of that comes down to this assumption that there is a base human normal, mm-hmm. and what the word normal means in that context usually means straight cis white male, mm-hmm. able bodied, neurotypical straight mm-hmm. cis white male, and anything that deviates from that becomes abnormal or weird. Right. Yes. And so I think that there is also strength to be taken in identifying as abnormal. I think that some people love and live that life, and that's beautiful too. Mm. I'm not saying that that is in any way bad. But there are so many like small things that are parts of these internalized um, transphobia and other phobias, <laughs> such as I think sometimes people are afraid to take certain transitional steps because they're like, oh, like, I'm trans, but I'm not like that. I'm not that trans. <laughs> or scared to be vocal about their gender. Or one big thing, too, is binary or otherwise more, quote-unquote, acceptable trans identities not necessarily um, acknowledging the validity of non-binary identities mm-hmm. because they're more normal, quote-unquote, rights. Yeah. Yes. Or also, what about all the hate that um, trans folk get if they don't want to adhere to all of the exact doctrination of their of their gender? Yeah. Like, what about how, like, how disdainful we are of, for instance, trans women who still want to exhibit certain masculine traits, yeah. or trans men who still want to exhibit certain feminine traits? We're like, why would you even be trans if you don't want to pass? It's like, what? Like, yeah. Or you don't want to be normal. Like beards, for mm-hmm. example. We've, I think we've talked about on this podcast previously that I have discovered recently that my beard doesn't actually give me a lot of internal dysphoria, but it gives me a lot of dysphoria around the idea of other people seeing my beard. Mm-hmm. And like, the world doesn't really want women to have beards. And you're saying that now, but for a long time you just took it to be that you also hated your beard because right. that it was internalized yep. transphobia. That's exactly. a great example. It's yeah. a really good example. It's a really good example. Look to go. Yeah, and so I think that's something like, I can speak from my experience now too, is I often like downplay my gender identity to be just like an extra spicy woman. Like I'm a woman plus. Like I have like I'm a woman and I identify as other things because I identify as gender fluid. So I do, womanhood is still part of my gender identity. But as I continue to explore that, something that just very recently occurred to me in all of the political stuff that's going on right now as we're waiting for actual um, statistics on who voted for who and like where does it all break down? Like 
who elected Biden and like, you know, yeah. whatever. As I was starting to read that, we only have the exit polls right now, so it's not official. Don't go, don't get too excited. But as I was starting to read that, I something that I realized was when I read things like that, I still identify as a woman because like, the fuck else am I going to identify as? There's no, <laughs> there's no category. Even though our very first ever um, elected official, uh, elected non-binary official was elected in this cycle too. Yeah. So you think they got the fucking woman's vote? No, they probably got the non-binary vote. But like, we're not ready for that conversation on a right. national level. They may have also got the women's vote. I don't know. That's true. Was that Oklahoma? It was <laughs> Oklahoma or Kentucky. One moment. Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Yes. And they use both she and they. And they are also a woman of color and they are also Muslim. So there are a lot of things. I'm sure they got a lot of different really cool votes that came out for them. Yeah. But like, I just, I was like bowled over by this realization that like part of the reason that I do identify as like a woman plus, at least that's how I describe my my gender identity more often than like non-binary is because like otherwise I would never see myself anywhere right and so I have to maintain this connection to my womanhood because like I would like to at some point occasionally see myself reflected in anything Mm -hmm. um and so that is another piece of like internalized it's it, it isn't as quite as directly connected to like internalized transphobia but it is internalized like erasure of gender extensive right. people i think a similar example that i have noticed for myself is for myself and for a lot of trans specifically trans women i haven't known of many trans men so maybe this is true for trans men as well but this idea of like people wanting desperately to divest themselves of the label trans and be just a woman mm-hmm. and there's been a push especially in some more online communities to start normalizing the use of the word trans of the word trans as an adjective similar to like blonde mm-hmm. so that that's just another type of woman with yeah our own set of experiences as women but i do know a lot of trans people especially binary trans people who this seems like a viable option for them who just want to be seen as a quote unquote normal person right and, and like and yeah i've gotten into some hot water on the internet <laughs> by offending somebody who was binary trans and honest to god y'all i don't even remember this person's gender i don't remember very much about this it sent me into a spiral though because i was like oh my god am i transphobic because i made a statement that this person was gender non-conforming and they got really mad at me that's what they did they got real mad at me because they were like i'm not like i'm just um i I'm, i don't identify as trans i'm just a, I'm a, I'm a gender conforming, whatever their gender was. Again, this is like a three or four messages back and forth. This wasn't like a whole thing. I don't know this person. Um, but I felt so bad because like, I clearly, I, I, I hurt them. I, yeah. I used the label that was not comfortable for them because I put everybody who does not identify with their assigned gender at birth exclusively under gender non-conforming. And people don't, that's not true for a lot of people. Yeah. And I think that can come from a very healthy place. I think that you can be like, no, I am very conforming to my gender identity. It's just that, like, I wasn't assigned it at birth. Right. But to Josie's point, it can also come from this, like, internalized transphobic space where it's like, no, I'm just, I'm, I'm just a normal. Like, I'm just normal. It's not my fault that I was, like, born into this body. Mm-hmm. And, like, I'm not coming for people who have that belief because, like, 
that's va- very valid. That sounds very self-protective. I was going to say. What messaging have you heard about gender expansive people? What Or the treatment of gender expansive people. Right. Like, and like, yeah, especially in certain parts of the world, especially around certain people who knows who these people's family is. Like it could be, it's very self-protective. And like, also the more transphobia that you're exposed to, the more you get internalized. So like this makes sense. Like right. if your family is incredibly transphobic, that might be a path that's more that you're forced more down to that path because like you it's hard to conceptualize of being a trans woman and still growing a beard that might just be something that like given your experiences is radical to you yeah or i mean another example the idea that trans women have to be straight or alternatively that trans women have to start off as gay men Mm. start off quote unquote right but like the the idea that trans women who are attracted to women are somehow BF. Yeah, and on that note, I also think that there's a lot of internalized, this beautiful intersection of homophobia and transphobia wrapped up in people that I've talked to over the years, honestly, at this point, have been very afraid that like if they explore their gender identity, nobody will ever be attracted to them again. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, they'll say these things to me, a gender expansive person. I'm like, first off, are you saying nobody could ever be attracted to me? I'm concerned. So, you know, like, I'm concerned because a lot of people are. I don't know if you know this. I'm me. concerned about your your knowledge. Also, like I'm concerned that you might not realize what you're saying to me is offensive. That's how internalized transphobia always comes across to me when people say I don't identify as trans. But internalized when I say inter- internalized transphobia, I'm also just speaking of like internalized anti cis people. Yeah, attitudes. And when people say these things to me, I'm like, they clearly don't realize that what they're saying is rude. Like, the number of times that I've had a cis person talking to me about these sorts of things refer to themselves or other cis people as normal, and I'm like, you're such a kind person, friend. Why would you say that? That's mean. It's just rude. <laughs> That's mean. Like, 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 and then when people are first coming out, they say the same things, and I'm like, that's mean to yourself. Like, that's, now, for people who are, who are considering their gender identity, it's not that I'm, like, offended for myself. Like, I... <laughs> Look, like I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. I know people are attracted to me. I know I'm normal, but also abnormal in all the best ways. Like I'm not, it's not, yeah. I'm not worried about myself. But when people are first exploring their gender identity and they say things like that, I'm like, you might not realize it, but part of your brain knows that you're talking about yourself when you say that. Yeah. You know, that you still think you are abnormal or you still think if you make this quote unquote decision to be gender expansive, that you are somehow unlovable or you are somehow weird or mm-hmm. perverted or you know all sorts of negative things yeah and that is like that's just you're you are just re-saying what the world says about trans people that's what i mean by internalized transphobia yeah and another way that that aspect of internalized transphobia can come, can come through i think is a lot in gatekeeping because mm-hmm. then you may not be necessarily attacking as not normal your own identity but you are positioning your identity against a supposed less normal one. So then you get into those situations where you're like, yeah, I'm a trans girl, but at least I'm not insert perfectly. I gotta be be real careful in this conversation because I have some spicy opinions. (laughs) But like that's, I think that that is itself a form of internalized. I mean, that kind of goes a little deeper into internalized non-binary phobia. Um, misogyny. Misogyny. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that 
a lot of internalized transphobia is very specific to internalized phobia of gender nonconforming people. But like, really, what that that itself is is the intersection of homophobia and misogyny. Like, yeah, and like you know, just general gender norms as well. But gender norms are propped up by misogyny. Yeah. So yeah, because that's what it is. Is like at least I speaking from not my perspective. So you know, yeah, take it with a grain of salt. But like something that I see on the internet. Um, is like at least I, a binary trans person, am still following gender rules, unlike whatever that is. <laughs> or similarly, another example that I see on the internet on my corners is um, on Tumblr, there still exists Mogai cringe culture, which is where you find people with hyper specific gender identities and make fun of them, and then you're like, see, this is the kind of people that make the trans community look silly i'm a real trans person who has a real identity with a wikipedia page and it's like as if gender wiki doesn't have every single gender listed seriously seriously and like i think we talked a couple of episodes ago about like maverick and mm-hmm. how like sometimes you if you're exploring your gender identity you might need to like explain your gender more than right you necessarily want to and it might and, be something that somebody has to get to know about you mm-hmm. and something i found for people in that situation is you might have layers to your gender i have layers to my gender if different people ask me what my gender identity is, I will give different answers. Right. They're just, they're the same answer. It's just like, do you want the one word answer or do you like the three sentence answer? Right. And if you have internalized all of this hateful rhetoric about gender nonconforming people. Special and, snowflakes. <laughs> and you just want to be able to say, no, I'm normal. Here's a quick description. That could be why you also think that other people are quote-unquote not normal and then you point to these people who maybe have to explain their gender a little bit more thoroughly Mm -hmm. or whose gender falls outside of quick and easy explanations right and it's again it's all self-protective because that's what internalized transphobia is like it's Mm -hmm. literally the world's dangerous to you as a non-cis person and so you take pieces of those danger and you adapt to them but in order to adapt to them you eat them and then you can internalize them Mm -hmm. so similarly like i think Again, I got spicy opinions, so I gotta keep them. I gotta keep them short. But I think that if we normalize non-binary and non-gender role-conforming, gender-expansive people more, less people would be binary trans. Just a hot take. Like I think that people would at least less people would be like this picture-perfect checklist version of binary trans. Right. There'd be more people like Josie, who's still binary trans, right? But yeah. enjoys her beard, you know, yeah. or her dick. <laughs> I think there'd be more people who would feel comfortable doing things like that. Right. And it is not bad to not feel comfortable doing those things. It is not bad to have internalized transphobia. It is just, a, it is a protective measure. <laughs> it is like Josie's example of the beard. I think it was perfect. Josie lives in a world where women with beards are not okay. They are not allowed. Capital N capital A. Yeah. Not allowed. So Josie being like, okay, I'm a woman, so I have to shave off my beard and I have to be ashamed of it and I have to make sure that as much as it is possible, people don't know that I have that. And that was protective. It's internalized transphobia. You took what people say about trans people as being bad and wrong Mm -hmm. and you ate it in order to protect yourself. Yeah. And that's not, it's not bad. Yeah. It is a self-protective behavior. Yeah. I think, I think that Whenever you talk about internalized things like this, it can come across 
as a condemnation of people who feel this way. Right, and that's what I'm trying to avoid. I will divest it slightly from internalized racism, which we tied into it at the beginning as very similar, mm-hmm. because internalized racism is, it is still self-protective, but in a much less wholesome way, because it's self-protective of the power structures that we really enjoy, right. which put us at the top. And by us, I mean white people, because Josie and I are both white. Yes. So at this point, I just want to make clear that we're no longer talking about internalized transphobia and internalized racism. Internalized racism kind of splits off at some point. Yeah. We are exclusively talking about internalized like transphobia, homophobia, um, and gender roles right now. Because playing into those keeps you safe. Yeah. And cis and straight people can also have internalized transphobia, homophobia, and I mean misogyny. Yeah, for sure. And do. Not and can. Do. If they were raised in the U.S., unless they had some very specific training... And, like, teaching and coaching and learning and unlearning, you do. You yeah. just do. Yeah, it's not a compliment to tell a trans woman that she's pretty for a trans person. It's also generally not a compliment to introduce somebody as, hey, this is Josie and she's trans. Yep. But these are things that you might not know because you've internalized that trans people are different and weird and worthy of excessive pointing out. Yeah. <laughs> and so, like, that doesn't make you necessarily a that doesn't make you a bad person it doesn't put you in this like irredeemable camp Mm-mm. as long as you're willing to you be know aware. be aware of it because you don't even necessarily have to change it either because again i think that i think it inherently changes a bit when you become aware of it because then it becomes less internalized transphobia and more proactively protecting yourself so i think that when the pandemic ends if josie if you go back to work you will go back to shaving your beard as a regular thing yes yeah. Right. But it will no longer be because you think your beard is bad. It'll be because you know that this is something you have to do to be safe and that sucks. Yeah. And like that is, it seems small, but knowing that it's not you that is at fault, but society is the difference between internalized transphobia and keeping one safe. Yeah. They do the same thing. They keep you safe. But like, who do you think is at fault for not being safe? Mm-hmm. I think that's, I think that's really it. Like, I think that it's, who do you think is at fault? For the way that people treat trans people. Do you feel like if you could just get that top surgery, get that whatever the fuck laser treatment for your face, get that pass, pass, full stop. Do you think that if you could do those things, you would be safe? Because maybe you should flip that on its head and be like, if people could just not be dumb fucks. Yeah. I would be safe. <laughs> yeah. Are you blaming gender expansive individuals for their for not being safe because they're doing something wrong? Right. Or and not like directly. It's not like you're thinking in your head, like, wow, I'm causing this. Mm-hmm. But like, still, are you making decisions around feeling yeah. like you are causing your own uncertainty? I mean, I think a similar one that I think a lot of people at some point in their lives probably experience is that feeling of, I don't want those queer people to be doing that out in the open. Yes. And that's like a really common one that I think a lot of people feel at some point in their life because they've internalized the homophobia or the transphobia and they don't want to quote unquote see it and those people shouldn't be flaunting it. And like, it comes from that idea of like, if they weren't doing that, then all of this oppression and violence wouldn't be dealt to them. Right. And a way that that can feel on the day to day is like, I should keep this private. I should Mm -hmm. keep my struggles with this quiet. I shouldn't talk about it at work I shouldn't let it show that I am trans yeah and so like things like that like there's a lot of there's a lot of seemingly either innocent or seemingly self-protective thoughts that like 
if you dig a little bit deeper into them, you can tell that they actually just came from homophobia, transphobia, misogyny, gender roles that we have been exposed to our whole life. And it's it's worth thinking about. Because yeah. it's worth thinking about in what ways you might actually be blaming yourself for things that are society's wrongdoing. Again, yeah. even if in order to stay safe, in order to stay happy, in order to stay employed, you have to continue doing them. Mm -hmm. But then at least you can like realize that it's not your fault and then you can start making making moves to change things, whether right. or not that's looking for a different job, <laughs> yeah. joining an organization that's fighting for trans rights, whatever it is, like you can start realizing that like it's not that you need to conform to this, it's that this, quote unquote, this whole society thing needs to fucking figure its shit out. Right. Yeah. I think that that's where we can like we can wrap up that conversation with um you probably have internalized transphobia. I'm so sorry to tell you it doesn't make you a bad person. And rooting it out and discovering it within yourself can help you realize when it's not you at fault, it's society that's at fault. Yeah. And there's nothing you can do or nothing you need to do to appease society. Society needs to sort shit out. Yeah. And if hearing about this internalized transphobia made you realize that maybe you have more than you expected, and now you feel kind of uncomfortable... Just think of it. It's a, this is a great opportunity to learn now. Mm -hmm. You can just rem This is a great time to learn more about yourself and the world around you and to grow. And if you feel like you do have internalized transphobia, wow, am I going to do that homework for a second episode in a row? Mm, maybe. <laughs> um, if you do feel like you have internalized transphobia, and but you're not quite sure where or what it is, you're like, oh, wait, this a couple of those examples will hit home for me, but I can't figure out any others. Something that I suggest doing, if you want to dig a little deeper into this, is write out or talk out or just think about whatever works for you, the messages that you've received about trans people throughout your life. Not just um, once you found more inclusive spaces like this, but like throughout your life, what messages have you received about trans people? And then once you've thought about that, you can think about in what ways you might have internalized those messages. Yeah. That's... If rooting out internalized isms and phobias and whatnot is a whole journey to itself, but that's a good place to start is like, what did I hear? What did I learn? And how might I have heard those differently because of my own identities? Yeah. So I think that's going to be a great place for us to wrap up this week's episode of Gender Journeys, the podcast where we talk about just what the heck gender actually is in context. As always, I am one of your hosts, Josie, and I'm joined by your other host, my lovely partner, Elle. Bye, y'all. And until next time, just keep thinking about it. Yay! Music for Gender Journeys, composed by Sonia Badash. If you want to stay up to date with Gender Journeys episodes or just want to say hi, you can follow us on Twitter at gender underscore journeys or on Tumblr at genderjourneys.tumblr.com. You can also find us online at josiewrites.com slash genderjourneys. We hope to hear from you soon.